0: Hello, Pam. Pam.
1: Hello, Pam. Is anyone there? It says I'm connected, so I'm I'm just going to hold. Hello, hello.
0: Hello. Hi there. You now. Hi. Hi. I'm (laughs) from Let's just keep saying goodbye again.
1: That's so
0: funny. All right. We are live. This is Authors on the Air. I'm Pam Stack. Uh, we're proud to be part of the authors on the Air Global Radio Network even though today is kind of a funky day on the studio. Uh, my my friend Arthur Burke is sitting here waiting for me to get signed in and I don't know if <laughs> the
1: thunderstorms in Southwest
0: Florida or not. But hi Arthur Burke, how are you? Hi.
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good to hear from you. I, I- I lost you, Pam. Hello? I'm just telling
0: you, this is definitely not yeah. my day to be falling into my it's own okay. studio. Um, you know, it's okay. Yeah, no, it's okay.
1: Should we reschedule? I just can't hear you. Your mic's going in and out or something. I can give you a landline. I can email or text it to you, but I think it's on your end. I'm not sure. Are you there? I think I lost you again. Hello?
0: Hello, Alifair. Hi. (laughs) Okay, we're starting all over again. I'm starting the theme music, and we're pretending like this never happened, okay? And then I'm going to edit it out. Hold on one second here. Let's get going. Mm you hey. the Air, everyone. I'm your host, Pam Stack. I'm sorry for all the technical difficulties we've had today. Alfer Burke has been particularly kind and patient with me. I'm not sure it's because we're in, you know, Thunderstorm Alley right now in Southwest Florida or what, but we are here live
1: with New York
0: Times and international bestselling author Alfer Burke. Alfer, welcome back to Authors on the Air, finally.
1: Well, it's great to be, to be here. here. Thank you.
0: It's so nice to talk to you again. It's been a couple years since we've actually seen each other. I'm looking forward to seeing you in September at BoucherCon. In the meantime, you have this fabulous new book out. It is called The Wife. Um, Talk about twisty, turny, schemy, plotty, all kinds of wonderful, wicked, nasty things going (laughs) on. So many adjectives. (laughs) Right? But, you know, when I was reading all your blurbs and what everybody has to say about it, I, I guess I'm not the only one who who has been saying that. Entertainment Weekly calls it a genuine shocker. Um, you, o Magazine absolutely loves it. Laura Lippman called it sensational and fly. Um, and, it, it, you know, I love the fact that someone even did Washington Post, I think, uh, mentioned a hashtag Me Too on there for the narrative so I love that you're getting all kinds of just wonderful recognition and I think you deserve it the book is stunning will you tell listeners
1: a little bit about
0: this book though so that they know what we're talking about
1: sure the the wife referred to in the title the wife is Angela Powell um, and she has been married six years to a guy who was a kind of quiet, um, economics professor when she met him out in the Hamptons. And, uh, she was a single mother and, uh, what she thought was a summer fling turned into the real thing. And she moved into Manhattan to kind of start over again with him. Um, and much to her surprise, he kind of blossoms into a a celebrity of sorts where he's, um, you know, kind of a, a cultural guru, an economics guru. He goes on cable TV and there are people trying to recruit him to run for office. And he has a big podcast because everybody has a podcast now, right? Um, And a a best-selling, best-selling book. Um, And she never wanted the spotlight, but he's very much in it. And then he gets accused of sexual misconduct first by a college intern and then by one of his business associates. And, um, you know, she's. You know, we see all these stories about men taken down by um, sexual misconduct, and we, you know, when, the, when they're married, their wives always become part of the narrative, right? Of did yes, they know they did. and why? Why did they stay? And we have certain expectations of them, like like it's their like it's their responsibility too. To, yes. that like it's like yeah. they're they're supposed to fix him. They were supposed to have stopped it, and you know, Angela gets put in that position of, you know, she's, she's the type of woman who would normally read an article like that and say, that guy's a scumbag and believe the woman every single time. But when it's her own husband, um, you know, she's, she's not sure what to think. And then, you know, because it's a thriller, (laughs) unexpected things happen from there, um, you could say. But, uh, you know, I, I was very interested in the idea of, what's it like to be the woman who lives her life with one of these men, you know, who's, who's,
0: yeah.
1: who's, uh, you know, these women that you don't know accuse him of being something that you don't recognize. And I thought that exactly. that could be an interesting story to explore.
0: Is this an actual follow-up to the X by the way? Um, is it, no. It's, cause it's I not mean, related characters, but it's, it's kind of like a flip flop of the story, you know, of the of the general yeah.
1: story, right? Yeah, yeah. you're, you're um, a careful reader if you notice that because I mean they're both standalone novels, but I think, yes. you know, if you wanted to write a paper about it, they're tied together thematically, and there's one character who happens, yes, uh, there's one character who happens to appear in both of them, but the stories themselves aren't literally connected. But I think they're both. So the X is a. Uh, the, the main character in the ex is a female defense attorney who winds up defending her ex-fiance on charges of a mass murder, but it goes into long buried secrets. And so I, I think that both of them are explorations of intimate relationships and how well we really know each, you know, how well do you really know the person you're partnered with? And, you know, I, I think there's always this assumption, you know, to get back to the idea of, the wives of these sex offenders that we think, oh, they must have known that if anyone knew they would know. And my instinct is kind of, if anyone knew it wasn't them, because in theory, you show the best of yourself at home, you don't show, you don't show the monstrous side, right? You don't show the mean side or the abusive power controlling side. So it to me, it's not, I, I have some empathy for these wives who who could, you know, so-called stand by their man or whatever. Um, so, But I think both books explore this idea that we don't really know who whom to trust. And there's, you know, both of them explore the role of infidelity within a marriage. I mean, there's, there's some commonalities.
0: Well, um, uh, do you think a lot of this narrative and this storytelling comes from your
1: years in the prosecutor's office? Because you were in domestic crimes, were you not? I was. Um, so I worked at the district attorney's office in Portland, Oregon for about five years, and uh, um, for about half of that time, I worked in the domestic violence unit, and I, you do, you know, th- those crimes, even though they're a type of crime, right, it's a whole separate unit, and I think That's there are true. people who think, like, there's a classic dynamic to physically abusive relationships, but even within that narrow category of crime the stories are so different I mean there were women who stayed out of fear there were women who stayed um, out of love there were women who didn't want to stay I mean the and I think that's part of what I wanted to do in the wife is to is to explore this notion that we think we know a, a woman just based on her decision right she's the stand by your man type or she's the you know, Elon Woods like chasing Tiger down the driveway with a golf club. <laughs> She's a kick-your-ass type. Sure, um, sure. Like we think that there are these like, oh, you know, it's like a decision tree. You find out your husband's a pig, and then you do A, B, or C. And I think I wanted to explore the notion. It's, it's, not that, too. it's not that. It's not that simple. And so I, yeah. I took, Oh, I agree with you. I took yeah. a complicated woman and put her in what is unfortunately kind of a familiar. A, a familiar role right so it's it it's, it's not it's not the role right now that's unusual it's it's the it's this woman Angela who I hope people find interesting I put somebody who's interesting in her own right who has her own secrets who has her own reasons for her decisions who has her agency like and I put her in that position and not wanting to be typecast and you know so and that's really where the idea for the book came from.
0: Um, I I have to tell you that I am a survivor of domestic violence myself, and I'm also a certified victim advocate. I got training from our state attorney's office to Uh become, from the state attorney general's office in Florida to become an advocate. So, uh, you know, these books struck very, very authentic to me, very authentic reading. And um, so I, I really appreciated your twist on it, and I thought, you know, I mean, I couldn't guess. What the outcome of this book was going to be, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'm that means gonna, a lot. I read from your experience, yeah, Thank because you. I, you know, I, I read so much that that I sometimes I can almost see what's going to
1: happen, even if it's a false. thing. Right. <laughs> it takes but all the fun was, out, right? When you're like that, yeah. I'm the same way. Well, I'm like, yeah, oh, you know, so when, this is a good book, it, but I know what's going to happen. <laughs>
0: yeah, but honestly, this one, you know, it kept my. I read pretty fast, so this um, really held my interest straight through. I mean, I could. You know, I sat down and read your book in a day, but that's pretty normal for me. And uh, I thought it was exceptionally well done. It was very real. The the characters are very real. And let's face it, you didn't have to go far for inspiration. You just read the newspaper or look at what's happening over the past year, you know, since the Women's March and, and everything with Me Too and all the celebrities. And then And then there are people who just in everyday lives, like you and me, who experience the same thing. And um and in a bad relationship, you're right. I think the everyone assumes that the responsibility falls on the wife to make things better, to fix it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that maternal thing is supposed to take over and you can make everything okay. That's what I appreciated about this book so much. I want to talk a little bit about your life. You've you've had a very interesting life um, we We hail from the same state, although you did not grow up here in florida but um mm-hmm. but you've had a very interesting life i think um you 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 know you talked about a serial killer when you, you had a fascination with a a serial killer uh, that was active in Fort Lauderdale. I went to high school with a guy who turned out to be a serial killer on the west coast over here of Florida. oh and and it's really you would know the case if I told you but but interestingly, I know his wife very well. She and I are very good friends and um she told me that he changed after he was in a motorcycle accident and had a traumatic brain injury. Isn't that fascinating, huh. you know? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I was like really I was really, really surprised about that. So um you you have on your website a picture of you at a shooting range. Are uh, are you doing some type of weapons training maybe? Um It was at the FBI, uh I wondered what that was for. It's an interesting photo. Do you do a lot of in-person interviews for your books, also?
1: Um, I don't really. I mean, I know I should probably say I do really extensive well, research. Not necessarily. Google is our friend. <laughs> I know I'm probably lazy to some extent. If I don't know something, I'm like, oh well, I can I could just do the same thing with something I do know about. So I I kind of try to stay within the things I know about. Um, and because I write crime fiction, it's helpful. Because I, I think I do have maybe because of my job at the DA's office or for other reasons, I feel like I have empathy with crime victims, so I can kind of imagine what it's like to be in their shoes. I know the rhythm of a criminal case procedurally, so I'm I'm able to do a sure. lot of things without research. Um, to the extent I need to do research, I've I've kind of learned, I've learned to. Um, uh, before I reach out to an expert, I really ask myself, what do I really need from them? Because I think it's easy to waste time, both your time and their time. If you're just like, Hey, give me a free semester of research. <laughs> um, instead I, I try to figure out what am I trying to accomplish? And I, I go to them and basically tell them as a storyteller, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And, I kind of let them be a storyteller for a little while instead of saying, tell me everything, you know, and I'll figure out how to mine it. I say, here's what I'm trying to do as a storyteller. So you help me understand how do I get that done? So I do that a lot. I serve as a source for a lot of my friends on legal issues and they'll call me and be like, so how do search warrants work? And I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. I'm like, you tell me (laughs) what you're trying to accomplish with your story. And then I'll tell you what you need to know legally to make that happen. So I try to flip that upside down. Um the FBI picture that you're referring to is um there's a great um there's a guy called George Fong who whom you may even oh, know. I know, George. Go... Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of he's he's fantastic. A, yeah. He's and yeah. um he this is a very long story that I won't even get into, but for various reasons that are somewhat interesting. The FBI had forbidden crime writers from coming to Quantico to do research because something bad had happened as a result of someone's visit is the way I'm told the story unfolds. Okay. Um, <laughs> and George and George Fong, um, as a fan and champion of crime fiction and uh, and as an FBI agent, um, started to notice that after Quantico, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but it seems like it's plausible to me, so I'm gonna go with it. That after okay. Quantico forbade crime fiction writers from coming to Quantico, that FBI agents started being depicted in crime fiction, like, in a really bad <laughs> way, because it was easier to typecast <laughs> them, right? Like, so if you don't know an FBI agent, but you do right. know local cops, you're going to be like, oh, the local cops are the good guys, and the FBI agents are the one who come in and, like, poop on everything and say that you, right. like, they take all the toys and go home. Like, so... <laughs> George Fogg was like, like lob, he lobbied and said um, to the higher ups. I hope he doesn't kill me for saying this guy. Maybe I made this whole thing up. I'm going to just say that. But he said, uh, you know, it would help us if we understood that, uh, you know, pop culture shapes people's beliefs and we should be open to teaching people about what we really do. And so a couple of us um, went to Quantico. And did a like a civilian training, so we got to see. They have like a. I thought the most fascinating part is there's actually like a replica town that they use to teach people right. how to do sweeps and how to do, um, Shooters, right? you know, yeah, yeah like that the, they pre- prepare for disasters. And then we went to the shooting range because I had actually never shot a gun before, so I, d- I did that to say I had done it and I didn't particularly like it. Um, my yeah. husband. Um, he's he was in the military and he knows really well but um i don't have a problem not knowing about him <laughs> um, know those so that's that's you know. the photo you're referring to yeah is that George so in the picture you... with you no, no 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 it's the gun oh, guy okay. it was somebody who teaches okay. people how to shoot yeah
0: it helps to know people you know who can enrich your character so that you have a fully actualized character like George who's very generous to the crime writer community and well, in I his own right a very good don't writer. Know
1: anything when you go by yeah. stereotypes or what you've seen in TV shows or something I think that I think sometimes you can if you're a if you're a careful reader you can kind of t- see through that that it that someone doesn't actually know what they're talking about. I I think sometimes it, it can be apparent. So it, it is helpful to dip your toe in and actually see what people um, look like and sound like and what they actually do with their jobs before you you tackle that. Yeah.
0: Yes, I, I agree with you. I, I think you're right. If you are a good reader and, and you notice characters and so on, you'll want to know the truth of the matter. You want authenticity to it. I want to talk to you about the young ala um, you obviously have a very, very creative parents. Um, I, you know, your writing is in your DNA. Obviously, although you have a very different style of writing than your father does, um, are are all of you in your family creative in some way?
1: Um, I guess everyone's creative in their own way. But so my dad is a writer, and my mom was a librarian, or is well, she's retired now, but she, when she worked, she was a librarian, but she's also, um, she's a painter and, you know, she's mm. just a, a very artistic person. And then um, I've got uh, a brother who's a lawyer, I have a sister who was a school psychologist. And I have another sister who works for my dad um, mm-hmm. doing um, publicity. So yes. I guess we all kind of do different things. I would, I would say that um, I think all of us are storytellers, you know, you know how when you meet a stranger and like they corner you yes. at a party and you can you can kind of quickly figure out whether they can tell a story or not. Right. I mean, yeah. There is there are some very nice people who cannot tell a story. Like, um, true. and I I do think that my whole family, um, yeah. you know, the, we're the kind of people if you put us at a dinner dinner table, like we'll either say nothing or we will find a way to tell a story beginning, middle, end. So I do think we have that in common. I think that's
0: wonderful. Did you always want to write? Do you think uh, you? Know, I know you. You detoured, and you are a, a tenured member of faculty at Hofstra. Is it that you're, you mm-hmm. teach? Occasionally, that's a law school. And yeah, and um, and you have your law degree. But were you? Do you think you were destined to be a writer, Alfair? No,
1: no. I know a lot of people um, say that they always knew that, and it was a compulsion, and. Um, that's probably the right answer that you're supposed to give <laughs> in an interview, but I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, I'm one of those people where I think there are a lot of things I could have done that would make me happy. I still kind of wonder what would have happened if I had been an actuary or an architect. <laughs> like that's just covering the A's. You know, I, I'm, I'm someone sure. who who doesn't believe in destiny. I feel like your whole life is a series of forks in the road and you pick one. Um, and this isn't even one I picked if anything, I think I steered against it because, you know, maybe because my father was a writer and my mom was a librarian, and I was like, I wanted to do something different. I had always really been into public policy and politics. And um, so the law, uh, I think, attracted me in that sense. I think I was really interested mm-hmm. in crime also, and the law was a magnet mm-hmm. um, when it came to that interest as well. Uh, but I was always a big reader, and I think I, I kind of circled back to fiction um, as a reader first. And when I was working at the DA's office, I would read these books and th- th- they made me so happy. But the minute a prosecutor would show up on the page, it's like we were talking about, you can tell when people don't know what they're like, yeah. they're not writing from an authentic place. A lot of people write about prosecutors having no idea what their jobs are like. Um, you know, Linda Fairstein is a. a a big exception to that but um to have a main character as a prosecutor that rings true but a lot of crime fiction is the, the the prosecutor much like the fbi agent kind of shows up um like a robot and says objection and hearsay and um and i think it was the stubbornness in me that i loved the genre so much but every time i saw a prosecutor i thought that's nothing like my job like i the and even as an academic, my academic scholarship is about the power of the prosecutor and how much discretion they have. And anybody watching the news right now can see, right, the identity of a prosecutor makes a big difference. So I think part of me was like, oh, if I were going to write this book, I would write it this way. And, And from that grew this idea in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, someday I'll write this book. And then at some point I decided, you know, hey, I'll I may as well start. If I'm not going to start now, you know, I'll never do it. But I really thought I'd write one book. I never, I never thought it would turn into a career. Sixteen, you know, here, right? um,
0: 16 so. books later, yeah. here you are. Think, uh, How did so, you yeah. hook up with Mary Higgins Clark? Because those that, those books are so <laughs> that still good. sounds
1: so funny. Like it's it's still um it's so weird. It's like oh yeah, my writing partner Mary Higgins Clark. Uh, you know, That's I've been amazing. lucky in a lot of ways. Um, it's, I think that the beginning of the story is a prequel I wasn't part of, which is that she had an idea for a series, uh, but she didn't want to get locked into a series because she want. you know, she writes her standalones every mother's day, you know, so if right. she had started a series it would, you can't do a book a year and also do those. So the idea was spawned of putting her with a collaborator so that she could do two books a year. And that that was all before I was on the scene. And then I think um, you know, she was talking to other people. I I, I still don't know the details of that, but like where my part of it comes in, like my point of view, is uh, a friend of mine uh is at Simon Schuster and said, you know, would you be interested in this? And I was like, I mean, who doesn't want to write a book with Mary Higgins Clark? I'm like right. Yeah, you know, if we can sure. figure out if we can figure out how that would work and if we would, you know, if we would mesh. And so we had lunch we had finger sandwiches <laughs> and How uh, talk, How kind of talked about what it might look like and what our writing process was like. And, um, you know, I think what, even though our books are so different, like her standalones versus my standalones are so different. I do yes. think that what we have in common is they're, they're very character driven. It's the plots come from the character first and then yes. neither one of us outlines. So, you know, how do you, how do you collaborate with someone who doesn't outline? So what we agreed on, I think, you know, that very first time we spoke is that if we were going to try to do it, we would identify all the characters first and find the plot that way. And as long as we agreed on who the characters were, that would help us find our way. And I know that sounds so hippy dippy, but like to us, it made sense. We're like, well, let's try it one time and see if it works, you know, and we just finished our fifth book together. So it's worked out pretty seamlessly.
0: I love that you know, it's kind of um, the young and the newbie and the and the tenured. You know, you're the student and the and the, the master, and you are obviously working your way up the branch to be the master as well. But. You know, you're coming from different generations, and you have different perspectives on things. And I love the fact that you were able to collaborate and make them so successful. And man, are they ever successful! Um, well, thank you. I love those books. positive I wish, um, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. It's 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 hard to know whether because in theory both of our readers should read them, and I feel like sometimes it's the people who only read both of them, both of us who read them. But um, I really love that series because the for people who aren't familiar with it it's the under suspicion series and the main character is laurie morin who's a uh kind of a a journalism based reality television show that reinvestigates cold cases Um, but it's set in new york i feel like it has a very modern feel uh but Mm the the format of the books is somewhat old-fashioned and that um i shouldn't say old-fashioned but it's a traditional mystery it's you know every right. book Laurie Moran solves a mystery, <laughs> it's, right. um, and and I, I think it's it's Agatha Christie ish. They're almost like closed world books and closed room books, and I think many of us fell in love with mysteries of that format. And so I think it's in that classic vein, but it's it feels fresh because of the setting, this character who's a single mom, she's a a widow. Um And uh-huh. a mom to a young kid, but I think it taps into both of our strengths because it spans three generations so her dad's a character, her son's a character she 's in a very modern kind of media soaked workplace uh-huh. where she 's got like you know a cool co producer and a narrator and a host who 's kind of a boyfriend and her secretary and um, you, you've got this whole ensemble of characters that um, I've really grown to love, but I think it it definitely draws on both of our strengths, and I think that series that series is really rewarding.
0: It's a very different way of writing for you, though a very different style, I should say, of writing, isn't it?
1: Um, it's funny to me, it's not. It's maybe a little. I I, I really like those books, and I think that because of the. They're very chatty. There's a lot of dialogue. Like, I love the yes. kind of snappy dialogue. It reminds me of those really talky um, old movies, like those couples are falling in love and they sass each other. <laughs> like I, I yes. think it's kind of got that feel to it. Um, and I think the pace is very quick. They're, they're, they're very pacey, and, um, they, but they have these comedic breaks in them through the characters. So I've, I've had a lot of fun working on those books. I'm
0: glad. I'm glad. Yeah, it's um they are fun books to read. I I will say that, and um I I have enjoyed them so far. But like you mentioned about Agatha Christie and all, I grew up reading those books. So mm-hmm. you know, there. So that's I guess that's why they're so much fun for me. Will you continue to collaborate with um, Mary Higgins Clark? Do you think?
1: I ho- certainly hope so. Like I said, we just uh, we finished. The last one, I'm feeling like I'm getting my cat, my books all confused. That, that one comes out in November, and then mm-hmm. we've started talking about the next one. So, yeah, it would be, I, I can see have that series. Yeah, it's fun. Anyway, when each you sit
0: down always, to read, we, we always say, like, it. are we done? <laughs> <I
1: don't> think <laughs> yeah,
0: and then you have another story idea, right? Yeah. There you yeah. go. When yeah. you read Al Ferro, who do you like to read and what? Are your Uh, taste kind of all over the place or, you know, are,
1: are you a genre reader? um, I read a lot of genre. I mean, I, I read other things. I do too. Well, but um, I mean, I, I, I think because it's, I sort of walked backwards into it as a career, you're crazy not to read your own genre. Right. So um, I read a lot of debut authors where I get sent stuff to blurb and I feel like that's paying it forward. So many people helped me when I first started. So, um, and that's, always exciting when you feel like you're seeing somebody who's just got this raw new talent and you get to kind of, you know, watch them have their first book signing. And um, tell me some so I, I read tell a lot me. of debuts. And then tell me who you um, like from
0: date for debut. Who do you like? Oh God. Debut? <laughs> this, is, this is such I so mean, like KJ Howe's book, for horrible. example. You KJ know, K- Howe's book was one of the best debuts I've read in years. I thought it was magnificent, you know.
1: Yeah. um so, uh, LaPianca, Lepianka. Have you read her? Uh huh. No, I have not. Um, she's Good. got a series talking about like the potential for series that have this old-fashioned feel. Like she took the old-fashioned detective novel and made it really modern. It's a um, a female detective who's bisexual and. An alcoholic, and you know, very. She's she's not like any character I can remember seeing before. And, um, but her name's Kristen Lepianka, and her book is like oh What God. You Don't See. I'm terrible with titles. It's like I. It's like. That's okay. Something like What You Do, What You Don't See, or I, I feel like that's it. And then Caz Freer. Noir.
0: Yes. Have you yes. read Cas Freer? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So good. It's
0: magnificent. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: Christina Alger is not a debut, but I feel like I didn't really think of her as a thriller writer. But The Banker's Wife, that just came out. Did I you read that? that one yet? Oh, no, it's really I'm good.
0: writing down, as, as you're saying these titles, I'm writing them down. So when we finish talking, yeah. I'll be going to Amazon, you books. Yeah, The Banker's Wife. Yeah, sounds great. I'm going
1: to go ahead and at it. And then you said you did so, read Casper's book?
0: Yes, So let me ask you this. What do you do when you're not writing and when you're not teaching? What's
1: What's, what's your fun time? Are you? That's okay. I sit around with my husband. If If I'm really fat with time, like, if I have the time, like, my favorite thing to do is, like, I'll go to four different stores in New York to get the very best ingredients and, like, make a ridiculous dinner. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of a homebody when it comes to things like that. I like to entertain. We have a weekend house where we have people come out during the summer, and um, I kind of, you know, play play cook and bartender. So I I kind of have a a little bit of a Martha Stewart in me. Like that's my – I'd make a very good homemaker if I didn't have all these other jobs. <laughs> um,
0: I've got, <laughs> I've got two dogs. Good for you.
1: I've got two dogs that I love to play with and um you know, talk to. I have entire conversations with them. Um I have I hear that. I have a very deep bench of girlfriends. Um, I feel like I've surrounded myself with amazing women over the course of my life. So if I uh stay in touch with them over lunch, drinks and dinner, that keeps me pretty busy on my social calendar um and then we travel a lot again it's a lot of it's about our friendships. so like i think i think i mentioned we go to florida a lot to visit a group of friends down there we have friends in oregon we have friends in anguilla so um we have friends in denver so a lot of it's you know i could probably i could socialize 12 hours a day and be perfectly content oh good for you i love hearing that
0: um what's next on your agenda are you
1: writing the next book? All the things, yes. Yeah. So Mary, really? and Clark, and I have our next book out, uh, You Don't Own Me. is out in November. Um, uh-huh. My next standalone, The Better Sister, is out in April. And I'm working oh, no. on the screenplay for the feature film of The Wife.
0: And that's the one uh, that is going to be produced by Amazon, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. They're Because um, they have a, how... a film division, yeah.
0: How different is it writing the screenplay versus writing the book?
1: And Do you a lot like more it? different than I expected. <laughs> I was kind of like, well, I know the book better than anyone. I could make it a screenplay because um, I consider myself a good editor of my own work. But uh, it, yeah, it's very different because you start to realize that you wrote an entire book that's almost entirely a first person internal monologue. And then you have to turn that into a movie. Like, Oh, oh boy. God, what, is, what did I do? It's not, it's not a one
0: woman show after all. You've actually got to have dialogue for your other characters and no. action and all those things. And it's
1: actually, you know what? It's actually, it's, it's, it's a fantastic, if it were a course, like if there were a course in writing storytelling, that would Mm -hmm. be a a really good way to kind of learn about storytelling because I'm basically breaking the story down to its core and rebuilding it in a different medium. So it would be very, if I had all the time in the world and no pressure, it would just be very fun to do as an exploration of, it's just kind of a self-study but because sure. I actually want it to be good <laughs> and I don't have all the time in the world and I feel like a lot of pressure um but it, it's it's I would say it's 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 one of the more interesting things I've ever done artistically is is because I think I have seen screenplays where the that were true too true to the book and they're sometimes mm-hmm. bad because of it because you're it's why, it like, why do yeah. you make a movie like just read the book? Like it works as a book. There's no reason <laughs> you know, if you're going to adapt it to a different medium, you you have to change it. So I I'm not sure. married, no pun intended. You know, I'm not um wed to anything. Like I'm willing I I I had this epiphany last week where I realized how many things could fundamentally change and it's to be true to the, what I consider the soul in the story. To what story. you consider
0: the story. It right, will, right.
1: It will literally change what's happening. It, other people might be like, oh, well, that's not what happens at all in the book. But it, if I make those changes, it will be to preserve what I think makes the book good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes,
0: it does actually, and you know, you're not the first person to tell me that. I have, um, there are a lot of, as you well know, uh, former screenwriters and scriptwriters who who come into novel writing, and um, each one of them says it's a really good way to learn how to edit your own work because you can't, you know, it, you. I mean, Jeffrey Deaver always says, you know, use an economy of words. I mean, that's his favorite thing to tell me whenever we talk. You've got to have an economy of words. And I think if you are used to screenwriting and scriptwriting, I think you recognize that. And hopefully don't go overboard because you can use more words in in a novel form versus in, you know, the the screenwriting or scriptwriting form. So that's, it's my understanding. So, you know, good. Are you on tour or are you finished tour for this book? Because I know this came out in April, right? April, was that the release?
1: No, I don't January. even remember January. Yeah, January. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm still
0: doing me it this long, so long, to long to make my way through to you. You know, it's taken me. You've I mean, I've been, been so I've been lucky and
1: a lot of books, like I feel like they come out and three weeks later, no one's thinking about them. And I, it, I've been very lucky that this book is continuing to find readers and, it was on a oh, bunch yeah. of summer book lists, you know, even I'm like, I'm not going to tell anybody it's not a summer book. It's like, it's got a picture of beach on the front of it. That works. Like, yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, I've been very it, It's just You've
0: been really busy because I've been in touch with your publicist and finding time to get you on
1: a show been a, has been really, yeah, it's, been a busy, it's really difficult. Yeah.
0: So right now so I'm, I'm,
1: sh- uh, I'm out, uh, I'm on Long Island um, by myself. I probably shouldn't say that, but uh, <laughs> uh I'm finishing a book, so it's yeah. I'm kind of I I hold myself up sometimes. Like when I'm when I'm really feeling it, I just have to go away and not talk about anything else. So you're literally the only person I've talked to in like four days. So if I feel oh, like I'm talking
0: uh, fast, that's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled. I've literally I'm not talked to a human being for four days.
1: <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad it's but, me
0: then. Thank you. It's nothing Thank but you. you
1: been nothing but pens and a typewriter so oh
0: i'm so glad that you agreed to talk to me listen i'm i'm gonna tell you how thrilled i am that you've been on the show and i look forward to seeing you again at at Bouchercon this year um you will be among you know thousands so you'll you'll get all that socializing in they'll get out of your system yes. you'll have to go home. I, you'll i'll have somebody quiet. to talk to <laughs> you are going to have plenty of people and if i know you and heather and all of those people are going to be kind of all sitting together clint crunched up at the bar you know of course where all the action really takes place at
1: voucher con <laughs> I mean, every writer's con right and so. I'll be I'll be interviewing uh, Karen Slaughter, who's the guest of honor, so that'll be fun. She and I. I get friends. to interview her when
0: we're up there too. So oh, I'm good. doing a live. Be a I'm doing a live show with her up there, and then I'm going to do a, a gaggle, I guess, during the librarians' tea. And um, I did that at Thriller Fest. We had 30 of the A-listers come, and and it was a magnificent. Thing. It was a beautiful thing, in the eyes of this talk show host. I have to tell you. So I'll look forward Amazing. to seeing you though. I'll, I'll find you. I'll find you. Okay.
1: <laughs> I don't think it'll be hard.
0: Yeah. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm sorry for all the technical difficulties we had at the beginning. Oh, and by the way, it it's now like, absolutely gorgeous second. outside. The sun is setting, it's beautiful colors. You know, the storm has passed, and and we finally connected. Thank you so much for I'm being a guest. I'm glad. Thanks also. for
1: having me. Thank you. It's
0: been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Great. Have a good okay. night. Thank you. Thank you, you too. Happy writing. Good night.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: Sure thing. I want to let you know that you can get um, Alfair's books along with other books that are now out, new books that have been released. I want to mention, by the way, um, a book called Avis Humphrey, written by B.M. Simpson. It's a great character book. Ryan's first book was Island Dogs, that won an award from Our Network last year for best character study. You can go to Amazon, you can go to any bookstore and find out what books released this week. Um, so I'm going to tell you a few others that did. Um, my previous guest, Carla Neggers, just had her Imposters Lure released. Um, my friend Liam Sweeney also had his new book released. Look these people up on Amazon. Um, Blood of the Gods by David Mealing released, a bunch of really great books. Maisie Yates has Good Time Cowboy out. Uh, Every genre you can think of, every single Tuesday, there are new books being released. Please go and look them up. Go have fun, read a book, and leave a review. Thanks for being with me, everybody. I hope you have a nice evening, and thank you, Mom and Dad. Good night. that time again to savor fall and enjoy your very own gourmet getaway to food and wine weekends at Waldorf Astoria Orlando. Wind down with spectacular culinary events, engaging cocktail creations, and unique chef demonstrations. Plus, enjoy a $50 daily resort credit and complimentary transportation to Epcot. For more information, tap your screen now or visit waldorfastoriaorlando.com.